How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Suncast. Apologies for no episode last week. I uh, had to just had some th- things come up, uh, which wasn't able to get around to. Apologies, uh, no excuses. But we are back. Uh, two episodes this week. Uh, on today's episode, uh, we are going to save the uh, the conference pre the conference tournament preview for soccer for Friday's episode. Obviously, those uh, games get kicked off Saturday uh, with Kaiser go. Uh, playing Ave and St. Thomas playing Warner, but we're going to save that for Friday's episode. On today's episode, we're just going to kind of recap what happened uh, this uh, the past week in Sun Conference athletics. Obviously, a lot has gone on on and off the field. Uh, some unfortunate things that we kind of have to get into as well. Um, and towards the back half of the episode, Manny and I are going to be doing a full Sun Conference basketball preview. It is basketball season. It's gotten uh, underway. Some good wins, some good, excuse me, out-of-conference wins. For the Sun Conference, obviously, uh, with what's happened recruiting-wise down with St. Thomas, uh, they are now a, a, a very trendy pick from across the country, just from uh, you know talking w- with people uh, around uh, the NAI world. Uh, St. Thomas, very trendy pick to win a red banner this year. And men's basketball, they're obviously the big story. Um, you know, is Southeastern women's basketball where they return, uh, kind of after a little bit of hiatus from the national scene. Are they is this a year they they come back? We're going to answer those questions and more later on in the episode. But I am with, with Mr. Josh Blackmore. We have we're going to talk a lot about football, but first, um, I, I know that I, there, there have been some questions asked uh, about what has happened with Weber women's soccer team. Um, I'm not really privy to share all of the details to that, but. Um, that there is no real press release or anything from Weber, but uh, I mean, I mean, you can kind of see what happened. Uh, those the players in the conference and all the team, they obviously know what's happened. But um, Weber played with an ineligible player uh, throughout certain games this year. Uh, obviously, now that that has been found out, those games uh, have turned into losses for them. If they did win or tie that game, uh, which brought them to one in twelve in conference play. They did beat Ave Maria in, in their final game. It was a good win for them. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate Weber looked to really have been turning a corner. Uh, it had been really fun to see them go up against St. Thomas for a third time, which is where they would have been. Um, or maybe Kaiser if things would have gone a little bit more their way, but um, unfortunately they're not in. Uh, Josh and I were both obviously Weber people, Weber guys. Uh, we have friends on that team. It sucks to see their season end like that, but um, hey, you know that's just the way th- things kind of fall sometimes. And unfortunately, Weber got bit by it. But um, and uh, Josh, do you have any comments or anything on that situation? I mean, obviously, a student athlete yourself. Um, I mean, me personally, if I find out that's how my season ends, it's pretty disappointing. Uh, do, do you have anything you you want to add on before we, yeah, you know, we move just- on? Just my heart goes out to especially those seniors, man. Like, you know, you've been playing soccer your whole life. Um, you've been grinding for, like, these moments, like the, your last postseason, you know, and then you get that text or you get that call or that meeting that, you know, you're not going to make it. Some unfortunate stuff happened and, you know, the season's going to be over. And you just – you feel empty, bro, like, because you can't – you you can't do nothing to fix it. Like you did nothing yep. wrong in the first place. It wasn't none of the players' fault. Like it was just like a you know probably what just like overlooked on the administrative side. Like probably wasn't malicious at all. It was just you know a simple mistake that you know unfortunately you got to follow ball 
follow the rules and you know take the punishment and it, it just sucks because I had something similar like growing up to like it was out of my control and it was just a little administrative thing that like got a, got me kicked out of a postseason opportunity a lot different than being a senior in college but it's still like it stinks man like it yeah you literally just can't you can't even like get your head around it because you cannot fix it you can't do nothing about it so no, it, it, it's unfortunate, but, um, you, you know, mo moving on, we'll, we'll move on now into, um, you know, that the actual athletics that's happened because obviously plenty has happened. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, the the other team that clinched a regular season title in St. Thomas Volleyball, but um, obviously the, the big stories this week were who clinched the one seeds uh, and won the regular season, uh, kind of breaking the streak for women's soccer. You had SCAD take on Southeastern and which and what was essentially a conference uh regular season title game. It was a great game. Uh honestly, I, I obviously I I had a lot of fun winning against Thomas. Uh Josh, you'll you'll get in that here in a little bit, but man, it wouldn't have been too hard to pry me away from that to go go over to Lakeland at the, the same time and watch SCAD play Southeastern a two two thriller. Uh SCAD holds on to the end to clinch uh the regular season title. Obviously a lot of videos uh, on social media have come out uh, of them celebrating a great win for them, but that's arguably not even the biggest game that's happened in the past week. Um, you have to look at Ave Maria and what they did against St. Thomas, a three nothing win for the Gyrenes, a historic win, obviously uh, for, for them taking down a, a 17th ranked team in the country, St. Thomas, who we've been so high on all year and Ave Maria as well. Uh, you know, the Dalton sisters, Rachel and uh, Catherine, they, they score Veronica Rodriguez, uh, scored and assisted as well. Look, we talked about how good that back line is for Ave Maria, and uh, especially that uh, in goal, Emma's a really good young goalkeeper for the Gyrenes. There, they have that opening round matchup against Kaiser. Remember, earlier in the year, that was a nil nil draw, so Ave Maria definitely capable of you know going toe to toe against Kaiser, who finds himself in a kind of interesting spot. I would say they're safe. As far as an at-large bid, um, but if they lose that game and Ave Maria beats Kaiser, oh boy, then things get get a little shaky for Kaiser. Um, then it's kind of like they're not 100% sure if they'd get an at-large bid. Pretty sure they still would. You feel like with Kaiser's reputation, they still had a good year, some good wins. Uh, they'd be okay. But you got to look at – when you're looking overall at the conference tournament, you got to really think – Okay, you would like to see if you're if you're Kaiser or if you're a Kaiser fan, at least get the SCAD. You know, I feel like if you lose a SCAD there, uh, Kaiser's in. We'll do a full, full again. Let me stop myself before we go too far and do, do a full preview. But obviously, that's going that's going to be a big game, and Ave Maria is certainly capable of um, winning that one. Uh, speaking of Kaiser, that um, they went up against St. Thomas. St. Thomas got him again, man. St. Thomas, they bounced right back. We were, I was really interested in see what they would do this weekend after losing to Ave Maria. And um, Isabella Panoranda, again, seven saves and a shutout. Uh, St. Thomas bounced back in a big way against Kaiser. Uh, we've been talking about it all year. That conference tournament is going to be so much fun. But, um, yeah, we'll do a full preview on that uh, on Friday's episode. Uh, overall, on the men's side, <laughs> I don't know anybody that's wanting to play Florida Memorial right now. I mean, they are playing top-notch. Another win, another dominant win against Warner uh, for them. Weber, uh, their men, their men seeing a nice win over Ave Maria. But, of course, the big one was 
uh, Santiago Nabat, uh, again, an incredible job in goal as Kaiser uh, defeats number two, St. Thomas, hands the second-ranked team in the country their first loss of the year. And now Kaiser looking really good heading into the conference tournament. Um, again, we'll do a full preview on Friday, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's not a preview of the Sun Conference uh, tournament. Josh, football. Some historic, historic wins, some big wins uh, this weekend. And, of course, Kaiser taking a big step towards clinching the Sun Conference, the the big storylines out of this weekend. Yeah, you know, we got we got really just one, like, kind of good game. All the other games were kind of blowouts, um, some pretty predictable blowouts. But the one game that was close, I, I can't say, you know, after Flomo lost to St. Thomas, you know, I thought they might have might have taken a little hit and, you know, been down in the dumps kind of deal, kind of hung over from, you know, a tough loss. Southeastern with a good win, going to get them. But, you know, that wasn't the case. Two fourth quarter touchdowns, you know, to to secure it late for for the Lions, which is pretty impressive. We'll get into that a little bit more in a second. We'll start off with with Weber Weber and Thomas. Um, you know, so Fathers, oh. you know, first win for the Warriors in nearly two months, it seems like. Um Big, big win, you know, like as a, as a Weber player, they were, it was probably tough sitting there, you know, every week going in and working hard and then coming out and just not able to get it done. But, you know, finally able to get back in the win column, trying to finish the year strong, which is at this point the only thing you can do. You know, Thomas playing another like competitive game. They just hang around. They don't get their butts whooped. They just, they just compete and, you know, they just, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Just give them a few. They are going, they, they are after, going to after playing them, I got to see how they play. It's like, for this being a first-year program, that's pretty impressive. I mean, for, no, for no, that. Like, and they haven't really been smoked yet. No. It's just been like, yeah, maybe a few touchdowns here, a few touchdowns there. But, like, it's not like 73 to 12 or 63 to 6. You know what I mean? Like, it's never been that. Like, it's never been that. Um. But you know, I was at I was at baseball practice while Weber and Thomas was kicking off, and um, moments I think first play from scrimmage was was a touchdown. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yep. took the top off. Um, big Trent with a with a fifty eight yard touchdown pass. Um, and it looked like there was a you know back and forth punt contest for a little while. Weber goes up fourteen, and then shortly before the break, uh, Thomas gets touchdown. Um, what you know? What happened there at, at the end of the half? The score literally with almost no time remaining. Just kind of put a drive together, or yeah, let's put a drive together. Make some good passes. I mean, a uh, little bit, a little, little bit of, uh, of the kind of sit back defense didn't exactly yeah. work there. But um, figure that's you I know mean, it was a good drive. It was a good drive. Down, when you get a touchdown at the end of end of a, a half like that, is normally how how it goes. Playing some some soft coverage, let things underneath happened nothing over the top and then you kind of next thing you know your your butt's on the 20 and you're like ah i'll say this about our guys i mean um i thought we did a phenomenal job in the fourth quarter you know they they had the ball uh that right right on the goal line i think it was like first and goal from like the three four five yard line uh stuffed them to fourth and goal and uh forced a field goal to keep it keep, keep us up 14 to 10 uh, and then moved into the fourth quarter and uh, scored two touchdowns and defense just kind of punched him to sleep to put put the game away. I was r- really really happy with 
uh, the young guys. Um, I, I think you're starting to really see with Weber just from, you know, my point of view with it is you're seeing a lot of young guys start to kind of understand how to play college football. Um, I, I think you're, you're starting, I, at least from what I've seen, I've seen a lot of growth within the program. Um, you know, it's bittersweet. Obviously something I've talked a good bit about. Um, you know, there's growth there, and it's good to see. Um, I mean, you're getting to the point team. in the season where um, you can kind of give a little insight, you know, on, on Weber because you got two two ball games left. It's not really looking like, you know, Weber's going to make the postseason. So you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Unless we got a, unless we got a lot of ineligibility uh, stuff going on, it it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like I, I I can really circle that date now. Um, yeah, I mean, so, no, you can you know I, as the next few weeks progress, you can definitely tap when we get into to some season summaries and. Um, trust me, yeah. this and I know this this something people people listening have said said to me a lot and everything they they they've said all oh, you you do a good job not really voicing your opinions too much on football. You tell that line. Let me promise y'all something. The Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, whenever we record that episode after the Warner game, oh, I'm covering Sun Conference football. <laughs> oh, I'm covering Sun Conference football. And I, I will have. Now we can get the podcast we've always dreamt of. Yeah. JB back and forth football. Oh, I'll have. Plenty to talk. I do. I do wish we we were sitting more in a situation where we'd have multiple teams in the playoff. That I say it's tough, but man, the rankings sure I've started to favor St. Thomas. They, they they're keeping St. Thomas right up in there, Josh. I mean, it, oh, yeah. I I wouldn't say it's I mean, completely out of the realm of possibility, but St. Thomas has got to be world beaters for the next couple of weeks. That's where they were this week. I'm at the season finale in Miami Gardens. You know, be the, the thing that ends this thing. That is insane. That's insane. What would you have said if I told you at the beginning of the year that Kaiser and Florida Memorial, assuming, and again, it is what it is, Kaiser versus Weber. I mean, I, look, we're gonna go down there and try to beat them. Don't don't get me wrong, but I know what <laughs> I know. I know what the projected point spread might be on be on that game. Um, and then Florida Memorial again against Thomas. If think if things hold out there, it would be kind of crazy to say, uh, yeah, we got the Lions and the Seahawks for a Sun Conference title game. And I don't think, think it'd be crazy to say that that's going, that's going to be an incredible game. No, I don't think it's crazy at all to say that it might not end in a one-score game. You yeah, know. no. But, um, Josh, m- Second, m- when is this? Saturday, November the 11th. Yeah, next. We time. We don't have a time posted. But nah. it's, it's making it seem like it's going to be at one something. Ah, I wish I could go to that i wish we could both go to that i'll be sick wow that's just get the warner game and just go down there that was just a long trip all right um moving on yeah moving on i'm yeah little st thomas warner action not a whole lot to say there yep threw up threw up on the scoreboard tay farmer another great game same with mr watson almost perfect about 146 points in the last two games for St. Thomas. Jesus. They heard my message and just said, you know what? Here, here, look at this. Watch me. Hold my beer. Oh, <laughs> watch me. Literally. 73, 73 and 31. Oh, that's pretty good. Three game stretch. 
after losing to Kaiser. It's a pretty good stretch there. Not bad. Right where, right where they want to be. Beat St. Thomas this week, and, I mean, Flormoro beats Kaiser. What's the deal, though? It's a three-way tie. It should be. Uh, if St. Thomas beats Southeastern, that eliminates them. I think Southeastern might already be eliminated. No, they're 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 done. They're done. Yeah, so if St. Um, Thomas, you know, if Flomo meets Kaiser and St. Thomas wins out, they should all have the same record. Am am I correct with that? I think I am. Let me let me double check that. Yeah, let's so I think you're right. I'm trying to think what the top. So Kaiser's five and zero. Oh, St. Thomas and Flomo four and one. St. Thomas wins out, puts them at six and one. Flomo wins out, puts him at six and one. Kaiser beats Weber, loses to Flomo, puts him at six and one. Um, that'll put Flomo at seven and three. St. Thomas will be eight and three. Kaiser will be seven and three overall. Um, Josh, I think it goes a points differential. Oh, Flomo's got that one. No, no, oh, no. St. Thomas. St. Thomas is probably. Yeah, you know, it depends on what happens over the next couple of weeks, but. I mean, St. Thomas is just – Is it point, a, point differential in conference play, obviously? Uh, I think so. Let me – I'll have to go look at that. Yeah, we'll we'll have you all an answer on that 100% on the next episode because I'm, I'm texting Mr. Donnie Smith now because he, he, would, he would know that. But in, anyways, um, Josh, the game that – it, or you, you don't with, with St. Thomas Warner? I mean, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just some some big games on offense for Keely Watson and Tay Farmer. And, you know, Warner just struggles, you know, once again. Uh, just, you know, tough, tough weeks for those guys. Um, but, the you know, probably the game of the week or the game of the week, Flomo and Southeastern touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, Florida Moyo jumped out to a quick 7 nothing lead. St. Thomas, you know, came marching back, took a 10-7 lead early in the second. Um Florida Memorial, um, two touchdown passes from Saquon Smith in the second quarter to take a 20 to 10 lead at the half. And then right out of the gates, the third quarter was dominated, you know, by Southeastern with two touchdowns going heading into the fourth up 24 to 20. And then, you know, the Lions took over that fourth quarter with two touchdowns on their, their next pursuing drives um, to go up 35 to 24. Just a good overall football game, you know, just back and forth kind of deal. I uh, I just realized something. I texted Donnie. We'll see if he texts back before we're uh, done, done recording. But I do know in years past there has just been, quote, unquote, split conference titles. Um, I know that's happened with Weber before, I believe, in 2014. I think it's happened again uh, since that, uh, maybe in like 18, maybe. Don't hold me to that. I know there was one year I remember – uh, some guy, guys talking about that. It was split. Um, if that were the situation, I think you're. I think no matter what Kaiser's in, I think Kaiser can. As long oh as, yeah, yeah. As long as they, as long as, long as they beat Weber um, Saturday, uh, they're they're fine. Uh, obviously, the the big difference would be would they be would they have a team coming to them or would they be traveling to Iowa? Which you know that's obviously not been a problem with them before, but. Um, that that is definitely a possibility. Um, I do, I do think it would be interesting to see if that caused a situation where St. Thomas would be more likely to get in. I'm not sure. Um, uh, if that matters, 
Uh, well, what happens if Flomo does beat Kaiser? Do they get in? It's an interesting question, man. I mean, I, I, I you know, Eastern they beat Kaiser. They'd be at the mercy of an at large. They'd be at the mercy of an at large. Um, that southeastern win. Tell you that overtime loss for Southeastern against Faulkner could be huge as far as the Sun Conference getting in or not getting in a second team. Because if they, if St. Thomas would have beaten uh, Faulkner on the road, that obviously would have put them in the top 25. You'd have a top 25 win for potentially uh, for, um, you never know how the season goes on from there. It's interesting, man. I'm. It's, it's it's tough to say. I think the only team that's ironclad in is Kaiser. Again, they still have to beat Weber. Um, if, if they if they lose to Weber, then I think it becomes they have to beat Florida Memorial. But if Florida Memorial does beat Kaiser, dude, I think they'll be seven and three with a six and one conference record. Yeah, and I mean, you look at best scoring offense in the entire country. Yeah, yeah. The best scoring offense, six and one in the conference, seven and three overall, with their losses being to St. Thomas, who's arguably a playoff team, Bluefield. I don't know how they've been doing, but they're not a terrible not, team. Not right? great. Not great. The great, good um, offense. Good offense. I um, think I. I think just seeing how the voters did it last year, I think if we get that situation, I think we only get one team in. And it'll just be Kaiser. Or no, it'll just be saying no. It would just be Kaiser. Right. Um and well, and I I think if I'm Florida Memorial, doesn't really matter because either way, if you if you have Kaiser beat Florida oh. Memorial, it makes that loss look not as bad to Kaiser, which I don't think the it three losses, Grambling State, a division one team. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Cancel that out. Yeah, and their only loss is Bluefield and St. Thomas. How do you they not beat Bluefield? They beat Bluefield. Who's their no, loss? They lost to Bluefield. 50 to 47. Yeah. My buddy played at Bluefield, so I knew That's that right. one. That's and they beat right. Edward Waters, lost to Grambling, and their only other loss was to St. Thomas. Ah, I don't know. I don't know how the voter voters would look at it. How do you not put that team in? I mean, they didn't they didn't put St. Thomas in last year. So well, they finished nine and two. Yeah, they finished nine and two with their only losses being to a division one Butler and Kaiser. So I don't know. I don't see Florida Memorial. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if Florida Memorial beats Kaiser, how do you keep them out? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But would that penalize uh, St. Thomas, even though St. Thomas beat them? I think St. I think St. Thomas is probably in the worst situation of the three. Yeah, is they're kind of at the Kaiser beat Flomo, but Flomo beating Kaiser is more impressive than them beating Flomo. Well, I think what you also will what will also eventually be looked at is the point differential, and I think that's why you're seeing, you know, maybe Rontavius Farmer stay in a little bit longer in a game for St. Thomas when they're up by fifty against. Warner given that g given that but I mean I get that you know if point differential is a big big factor 
or is the big factor in this. And it's like, okay, well, St. Thomas was, you know, plus 180 and Kaiser was plus 155. Well, and now St. Thomas is the conference champion. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure, sure how that works. I think, I, I think it just goes to a three-way tie and I don't, this is why you need a conference championship game as is. I mean, but NAI, we haven't quite evolved to that yet. I mean, every other every other sport in the NAI has a conference tournament, a conference championship. But when it comes to football, we don't add in a conference championship. I don't get it. I don't get it, Josh. But um, so you know, heading in, you know, so we got some turmoil here. Sun Conference football. We got some. We got some stuff going. It's on. chaos. We got a little drama. We got a little chaos. We love it. We live for well, it. What do you think happens? I mean, I mean, you. You're the one to say. I think Saint, I think Florida tomorrow. There's no chance that they get left out if they beat Kaiser. Finish seven and three, really seven and two. They take out their division one loss, seven and two with a six and one conference record. But beating. can you take that out? We saw that effect. We we saw how that affected. That's uh, fair. We but saw it affect. They beat Saint the defending runner-up to win the conference. They beat the defending national runner-up to win the conference. Yeah. How do you get left out doing that? For example, for example, for example, say, let's put it this way. Let's, let's do it in, in Division One sense. So say Georgia's the national runner-up, which obviously they weren't, but they say they're the national runner-up. They play Georgia Tech the last week. Georgia Tech's having a season like Flomo, and they win their conference and have, like, the one loss and beat the national – how do you leave them out? They beat literally the national runner-up. They literally beat TCU, whoever the national runner but they beat them and they're one day conference and they have two loss. No, well, in this sense, it'll be one loss because it's different in NAI because there's more teams. They have the one loss with a conference championship and beating the national runner up to make it to make their to win their conference championship. Like, you just don't leave that team out. They really need <laughs> they you can't, you can't. That's so, you messed can't, up. but they will and they have so messed up. Because you also got to remember there's 17 other conferences, 18 other conferences going through this right now too. So, and some are cleaner than others, but um, we saw saw last year, last year was as good of a chance as any to have two Sun Conference teams get in. And we saw, I mean, let's just call it what it it was last year. Marion, we came down to Marion and St. Thomas. And again, we've we've given this speech before, but – and Marion St. Thomas, St. Thomas had a better win. Didn't matter. Marion's in a better conference. Marion got in. Period. That's pretty much what happened. St. Thomas had a better resume. Their their losses were to the eventual national runner-up, which at the time, who had Kaiser being the national runner-up besides besides us? Nobody. I mean, we had we were rocking with Kaiser all the way, or you were, I should say. I still got about oh, I don't know, ten days before I can say that. Whatever. Um, but. Either way, I don't see I don't see a world where it happens. Now, obviously, a big difference between last year and this year, 20 teams get in. Four more teams are getting in, or 22, whatever. Four more teams are, are getting in. 18, obviously bigger. How many conferences are there? 18. There's only know. four at-large bids? That's it? Maybe sixteen, maybe sixteen football. It's I, I can't remember because it's it's different for each sport. At this rate, there's that many conferences. You might as well make it like a big old bracket. 
like a 32 team bracket. Make it like the a little bit bigger or, or it's, that's kind of a lot of football. Let's see. But you also are only playing 10, 10, 10 games in the regular season. So you really could do it. Because you got round of 32, round of 16, 8, 4. That's, that'll be 15 games, just like, you know, Division One. if you did a 32. Oh, imagine that. Round a 32-team bracket, playoff bracket. Yeah, I don't know. National champion would win 15, would have to play 15 games. Ah. Maybe yeah, another that's that's we're probably looking a little too much. Plus, there's a lot of other behind this behind the uh, yeah funds and stuff. That's part of it, definitely. But you know, our last game of the week. I mean, it says there's 21 conferences in the NAI. I, obviously, not all of those have football. I mean, I like I know there's like there's not. I don't think there's one in continental. I know there's not one in the sooner. Um, I don't know. When you start getting into the broad scope of the NAI, if you're not talking softball, you're not really talking my language too much or baseball. But um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we, we've rambled on enough. Look, the situations are where they are. If you're, if you're Flomo, go win your games. St. Thomas, go win your games. Kaiser, go win your games. And whatever happens, happens. Josh, you got any, any, any closing closing thoughts? Yeah, uh, we got just one more thing. I, I think uh, Mr. Stemke from Ave Maria is just, you know, you know, printing his name in Offensive Player of the Year. Can't say he's won it yet, but he just every week makes a statement. Has two less games played than than Farmer. Actually, that doesn't necessarily really matter because they have the same amount of attempts, same amount of yards. Just Farmer has double the touchdowns. But Stemke is averaging more yards per game, which is very impressive. 160 yards a game, averaging 1.1 touchdowns a game, six yards a carry. It's just up in the air with those two, but you know, Ave with with um you know a tough, tough beat down. Just having a, a little bit of a probably disappointing year. Fifty-four to seven is tough to swallow with their only touchdown being in the second quarter. Mr. Stemke, I believe, scored. Uh yep, 34 yard run. Um Mr. Messenger coming back with another hundred yard game. Bryce Vizi with another good game. Guys are just handling business as usual. Um, that's all I got for for that. Like I said, just three, three blowouts and then one, you know, semi decent game. Um, but excited for this coming week. Got another intriguing matchup in Miami Gardens and a couple other games that you know could ruffle some feathers. But other than that, that's all I got. Had some good, had some good Sun Conference chaos talk. Great ones. Um, we'll talk more about about football. Uh, preview uh later on the next uh next episode uh yeah uh we'll obviously do a full sun conference preview for uh the men's women's soccer tournament next episode but for now we're gonna kick it over to myself manny burroughs do a little preview for sun conference basketball all right now we have mr manny burroughs have a little sun conference basketball preview before um, we did. I did hear back from Donnie. Um, shout out Don, Donnie Smith, uh, helping us out with the situation we were talking about earlier about uh, the about what would kind of happen if um, Florida Memorial beats Kaiser and St. Thomas wins out, uh, and Florida Memorial take care of business this weekend. Uh, co co champions will be declared. Um, 
and then it's just kind of, kind of there's no like specific bylaws but it would most likely be highest ranked team would get that uh bid from the sun conference which would be kaiser uh so it does kind of seem like kaiser's definitely in, in the best shape right now but we'll see uh, about all that uh moving forward not gonna talk anymore about that we spent plenty of time talking about that manny not really a whole lot to talk about volleyball wise st thomas does wrap up the uh the regular season title uh which just just is uh which is uh pretty expected i mean if throughout the the entire year they're going to be the one seed no real surprises uh there is there anything you want to talk volleyball wise before we get into basketball um not really uh i do want to shout out the the royals they uh they put on a good fight against the bobcats and those last two sets specifically you know they actually were leading for a majority of it but you know experience won out and, and the bobcats were able to clinch the three P just a bunch of history for this season. So definitely got to give them their flowers and everything else kind of held pat, you know, Weber did get that big win over Ave. That's going to help them pretty much solidify that second, that middle of the pack. And I think the playoffs are pretty much set for the most part. Once a few things iron out by the end of this week. So I'm excited for sure. Yes, sir. Well, I know obviously everybody in Miami gardens, uh, really excited with, Getting started up with basketball, a good uh, couple of non-conference games. One a scrimmage, another one uh, a good win against uh, an old foe for Coach uh, Crary. Uh, I guess we'll start uh, on, on the women's side. Um, and, you know, I think it's interesting when the preseason polls came out, uh, Florida Memorial wasn't number one. I mean, last year they were the dominant team in the conference, went 15-1 and one in some conference play, rolled right through the conference tournament. Uh, obviously, Southeastern's pick to win it. Were you a little surprised to see that when, when the when the uh, preseason coaches' polls came out, Manny? I will be honest, I was not. I actually was not just because they are losing the regime that won the conference the coaching staff and more specifically Iolo. Iolo yeah. was a dominant presence. Every time that she stepped out on that court, she was a triple double possibility, no matter who she played against and losing a player like that. It's just hard to, to really replicate that. I mean, we're looking at the team that the only, I'm not gonna say the only, but the biggest returner in terms of that team that won the entire thing is Chantel Barnett, you know, she averaged 14 points last year. She's going to be looked at as more of a leader because now when we're talking about players who were a part of that team, who played significant minutes on that championship team, it's really just her. So I wasn't surprised. And I'll be honest, unless the development really comes together, I think they're, they are in for a down year in terms of in retrospect of what happened last year. Now I say down year, it's not really going to be anything crazy, but you know, you go from winning the, the tournament to now, I mean, I'll be honest, the talent, when we're talking about the women's side this year, there's a really good chance that Florida Memorial, you know, they're fighting for playoff spot, let alone maybe even not making it. Uh, I, I I would be shocked to see them not in the Sun Conference tournament. You talk about Barnett. They also have Jasmine Worthy coming back, uh, who had a really good game in their season opener uh, against Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I, I'd be pretty surprised to to, uh, to not see them in the tournament, uh, to see them win at all. I don't know, because I do think uh, this is certainly the year you see Southeastern uh, uh, back in, and we'd love to see them back in it from a national level, because right now we don't have any teams in the top 25. That's certainly something we, uh, we, we would like – uh, to see differently, especially after what we've you know seen from Southeastern in the past, and uh, oh, just had something pop up on my phone. Oh, uh, real quick, uh, quick pause in the pause in the action. I uh, do want to congratulate. I just had this tweet uh, pop up, so I have tweet notifications on. 
Uh, Santiago Nabot, uh, NAI Defensive Player of the Week for the second time this year. Um, obviously, we talked about that earlier. He was a huge part in taking down the number two St. Thomas Bobcats. Uh, the Their first loss of the year, a big shakeup right before we head into the conference tournament. So uh, congratulations to Mr. Nabot. Uh, on that one, uh, as we've already said, we're going to do a full preview of the conference tournament on Friday's episode. So move, moving back into it, uh, I guess, Manny, you want to go from bottom to top or top to bottom uh, in, in the in the coaches poll? We can go from bottom to top. I think that'd be the best way to do it. All right. Well, if we're going to do that, that means we're going to travel up north to Brunswick with Coastal Georgia. They are projected to finish last in the Sun Conference this year. Haven't seen them yet, um, but uh, – I don't really have much of much of a disagreement. Um, obviously, Thomas was the the worst team in the conference last year. I mean, zero and sixteen in conference play, but Coastal Georgia was right there, and they're projected to uh, finish there again. But a couple bright bright spots for them. Um, you know, Jacob Johnson, a junior, um, is transferring from Albany Tech, my, my hometown. Uh, actually, a JUCO there. Um, they're they're really excited about her. She's their player. Uh, of the watch, uh, quote, a fast guard who can push a tempo and create herself uh, and create for herself and t- teammates, end quote. Uh, so Johnson and, you know, m- maybe a couple of other pieces, but Coach George, they certainly uh, have a long way to go if they're they're going to want to compete with some of the top teams in the conference this year. No, yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think they are going to unfortunately finish last in the standings when it comes to the conference play. Ja'Kai Johnson, like you mentioned, a really good bright spot. I think also not just the numbers, but I think she's going to add tempo to, to the to their style of play. I think that's going to be something that you're really going to notice from the eye test. Do have you know two freshmen that had a really really good year last year, Aisha Roden and I hope I say this right, Andrika Virius. They're going to be looked at for development because Roden set the record for most assists by a freshman, while Vujiris set the record for most blocks by a freshman. So I think you know it'll be a developing year for sure. You know they only played one game against Bruton Parker. They did lose. You know, they had 28 turnovers. No one scored in double figures. And as a team, they shot 30% from the field while eight and 18 from the three-point line. It's just going to be really hard. Like I mentioned, with the talent that is coming into the conference this year on the women's side, you got to have a lot more. And I think they're going to take, you know, they're going to take some some tough losses, I'm sure. But when you have eight new faces, you got a couple of freshmen that are going to have another year under their belt. I think it's going to be good long-term for them. But I do see them finishing the bottom of the conference. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned uh, some of the talent uh coming in uh obviously they they have a little bit but um you know looking elsewhere is gonna be tough uh as far as a team that's going to have a lot of experience coming back and led by one of the best players in in the conference will head up to lake wells uh where jasmine edwards uh had a great start uh to to her season a 27 uh, point performance in warner's uh opener uh where they won uh, Warner's project uh, tied right there with Kaiser. Uh, we can kind of just transfer it uh, into the, those two between Kaiser and Warner. Uh, that could potentially be a huge matchup for, um, you know, at least throughout the way the voting, the way the coaches see it. Um, and I think the way, way we both see it as well uh, with those two teams potentially uh, for the number six seed. Man, who do you think, it, just say uh, that – Everything goes how the preseason coaches poll says it will. And as between Kaiser and Warner, who do you think would get that sixth spot? Honestly, I'm going with the Royals. Uh, while we were, I was doing my research, I was looking back at some of their games last year. No, no, nothing too deep dive, you know, just looking at how sure. certain games went. And a lot of their games were very close down the stretch. You know, they 
only lost by two here. They only lost by five there, maybe a couple possessions. There were a few blowouts, but for the most part, every game that they lost in conference was within a possession or two. So I see that. And then I think, you know, you add another year under your belt. You were just a game under being 500. And you have arguably one of the best players in the conference in Jasmine Edwards. You know, she's a two-time all-conference first-team member. She averaging close to a double-double pretty much every year with points and rebounds and still stat, uh, stats the stuffs the stat sheet with uh, blocks, points, um, and steals. You mentioned her 27-point performance. I think she can lead the conf- lead, lead this team into that sixth spot. I don't know if they can really creep any higher. We'll have to look at the development, who they lost, who they brought in. But I do think that the Royals kind of break that glass ceiling that they've had the past few years of being competitive. You know, they've been developing the past few years, and I think this year they finally become a playoff team again. Yeah, and on the flip side, you look at Kaiser, uh, obviously two big names they ha- they are going to have to uh, replace, and uh, Gilliman, uh, Schlabach. Uh, they, they they did well um, and you, you know, bring, bring some players in. Uh, and they, they have some solid pieces uh, coming back back as well. Um, Elania Schaefer uh, had a really good performance for them and their their first game. Um, Elsa Ellison is also back uh, for, for Kaiser. But you you have Kaiser kind of that first team out uh, in the, the, the Sun Conference as it stands, uh, obviously, really, really early uh, in the season. So I actually have them fifth, and I'll probably shake up. I have them fifth. You know, just a little little preview of how I see kind of the other the other teams faring that are in the top of the of the polls. But I think that they will still be a middle of the pack. They've kind of been middle of the pack for the past few years in the sense of they're really, really good. If you don't respect them, if you don't game plan for them with the respect that they have earned the past few years, they will get you. They will get you. And I think that they're going to just have a solid season. Who steps up? Like you mentioned, you know, you lose Gilligan and Kennedy, especially Kennedy, you know, first team all-conference member, averaging 15 points per game. It's, it's going to be hard. I'm definitely looking at the offensive side of things more so than the defense. If they can replicate some type, whether it's a by committee, you know, are we going to have certain games where because the system works so well, pe- different people are going to have good games. You know, we mentioned last week, Elena, player of the week, 25 points, a career high, 25 on 9-14 shooting, 5-7 from the three, also chipped in five rebounds, four assists and three steals. You know, she did very, very, very well. So if that's going to be the type of thing that we do, OK, we can really see how they do it. But my biggest thing is, can they replicate that offense that they had last year and maybe even a little bit of an uptick, you know, creeping up a little bit in the standings yeah uh moving on you have weber currently uh at the at the five spot but i don't i don't know if there's really a team that's going to return more production than the warriors obviously samantha uh, pacheco another year for for the point guard there with coach uh morell and then one one of the just pure scores in the conference and jada burgess uh also returned so a lot of veteran leadership for Weber, you know, two years ago they uh, took on Southeastern, who was a, I believe, semifinal team. At, at that, uh, yeah, semifinal team that year took them on in the conference championship game. Just seems like Weber always gets hot at the, at the right time uh, for for basketball. Uh, they're going to need to do it this year. This seems like a year that's kind of up in the air. Uh, where do you think Weber could could end up faring this year? I've been at St. Thomas for four years. You know, I've been around the basketball program, men and women's for four years, and specifically the the women's side. I've always heard the same thing. Weber plays the right, their best basketball at the right time. Like that's yep. been the best way to describe them. And I actually think they're going to finish 
third. I think they finished top of the conference just because, like you mentioned, they're bringing in so much returners and they have another year under their belt. You mentioned Samantha. You mentioned Jada. I also like Trinity Lee. I think a defensive presence. You know, she did have two blocks per game last year. I think she can really add a little bit more on the offensive side to make her that two-way threat that they can really use. But I think because of the experience and you're returning seven players, they are adding six freshmen. And I wonder if that is the X factor, so to speak, in the sense of you don't know what these freshmen are going to bring. And maybe that's the difference between me being right and them finishing top of the conference or me being wrong. And, you know, the chemistry just never worked. They need another year and they're in the middle of the pack, maybe even miss the playoffs, unfortunately. But I think, you know, with the experience you add in, the new the new faces you have a coach who's been there for a very long time he's established a little bit of an identity i think they can really mend in those those freshmen and i think top of the three is, is definitely in play for the warriors this year yeah i, I think whoever is going to have a really uh a really good team really experienced team um and you know we, we've talked about a couple of the previous teams that are going to have to kind of rebuild and when we get into conference play uh, in pretty short time it'd be uh, interested to see if now with Weber, if they could start good. And we all, like you mentioned, they've always been a team. Uh, you know, Coach Morrell, I believe you're 13, 14 for him in Babson Park. What happens with Weber if they, you know, they start, you know, three and three and one, four and two, something like that. And then they get to the end of the conference title, or, or excuse me, if we're getting to the end of the conference regular season, are we then talking about a team that, you know, could be an upset or two away from winning the regular season? Certainly, uh, certainly possibility but moving on Ave Maria they've also uh, gotten their season all to a good start a good win over Fort Lauderdale and not one but two coaches in the Sun Conference uh, picked them to end up winning the regular season Manny is that is that was that a little surprising to you um, you know they were a semifinal team last year uh, and they have some good production coming back obviously Casey Humphreys is their player uh, to watch do you do you agree I do think that I agree in the sense of I was a little shocked. Um, it, it still was two, wasn't anything you know crazy, but I was shocked just because they're still relatively a young team. Like they still feel like they might be that team that we can give the title of a year away from being a real, real threat. You know, we mentioned Casey Humphrey. They also have a D one transfer, Elena Thompson. She had herself a pretty good debut as a as a gyrene leading the team with fifteen points or tied for leading the team with fifteen points, six of eleven from the field, and including five rebounds. I just think that the biggest thing with them is because they're young and they've kind of been through the ringer of the conference the past few years, I do see them finishing in the fourth. I do see them going back to the to the tournament. I just don't see them really climbing up too much higher because I think the experience will be a factor. When we talk about, like I mentioned just now, Weber and those last two teams that we still got to talk about, there's just that experience factor that's, I feel like, just too big. I could be wrong. The Jirenes, again, they continue to develop. And could this be a year? Sure. But I think they're a year away from being a more legitimate threat in the conference. I mean, you, you, you kind of took my, my point. I think Ella Thompson could be a, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to, to pick someone that, that's, you know, may, maybe not not in, in Lakeland or, or in Miami, I think Ella Thompson, that kind of new face uh, in the conference, anytime you bring in a Division One caliber player, uh, you, you're, you're adding that. And, uh, I mean, at 5'11", five, five, a good height, a good forward, played well for UT Martin, and obviously a good start in their first game. But uh, we're kind of looking towards the top of the conference and what it uh, seems like is going to be the 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 two teams battling it out, St. Thomas and Southeastern. Manny, who's going to bring home the regular season title this year? In my time here, I understood really there was one thing when it came to women's basketball. It was that Southeastern was running the conference for a majority of these past few years. But 
I always like to say it was when the Warriors were in their prime and everybody in the league kind of just said, we're going to wait until they run their course. Except for that one team in Houston that said, no, 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 we're going to battle them tit for tat and we're going to go with them every single year. That's how I saw the Bobcats. Whenever they played at home, I really saw the Bobcats. And I was like, wow, if we could just get a home game, could we pull off the upset? Unfortunately, it never happened. This is the year, though, that I think the Bobcats finally do get over that hump. I do have Southeastern finishing second, and I have the Bobcats winning the conference title uh, for the regular season. I'll start with Southeastern. I think that they had a really good year for sure. I think that they're bringing in two. They're only they're only returning two starters in Kiki Bertzman, who's an all-conference second-team player, and their player to watch, hope I say this right, Anasia Kofletch. I think that they're going to each have very good season. Bertzman, 14 points per game last year, 53 from the field. Her a team best also had six rebounds, and she led the, the fire in blocks. I think she's going to be a post person that you definitely have to respect. The fire every year, they always have good size. And that's been like kind of their identity, so to speak. They're always a team that you have to keep off the glass and you have to figure out ways to get to the basket and get them, basically get the defense moving and find those gaps to really get your guard play and your shooting open on the wing. The fact that you're losing Gabby Suarez, though, who was a problem last year. When we talk about just flat out putting the ball in the hole. She is what you would call a hooper. You give her the ball and she'll make play after play. I remember last year I was watching the semifinal game between them and the Bobcats. That was an overtime thriller. Great, great game. And Suarez hit a step back three that I just kind of, those are the shots that you just tip your cap, game recognized game, and you go back down the other end. Because at the end of the day, it sucks, but good offense or great offense is going to be great defense every time. And that was the kind of player that Gabby was. So I'm very curious to see how they're going to kind of figure out how to add the scoring that she that she is kind of leaving in that area. On the bright spot, they are gaining back two former starters in Rebecca Cook and Becky. I, I really don't know how to say her name. So Clay Divish, I think that's how you're going to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, Cook was a part of that uh, two of the NAI national teams earlier in the past few years. Becky returning after rehab. She was a second team all-conference member in 2020, 2021. You also add in transfers like they always do. I think the Fire are going to have a really good year. But in the end, I think they finished second in the conference to the team down here in Miami Gardens. So I think this is where uh, we're, we're going to disagree. I don't think there's going to be any doubt in who we say is going to win on the men's side. But on the women's side, I think it's going to be Southeastern. Um, you know, I'm re- really high on them. Uh, I think I think they get back. And at the end of the day, we don't really know what this team's going to be because there's really only two players that they have back, Kiki and Anja. Uh, uh, like you said, but those are two of the better players that they had last year coming back. Um, you, you know, just looking at uh, Coach Brian Neal, they brought in a lot of success, uh, a lot of Division One experience, had a ton of success at Thomas Moore, and we, they have two really good, uh, two solid uh, pieces to kind to kind of build build around. So we'll we'll have. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with them. But I do think Southeastern, they're going to get back to what they were a couple of years ago. I mean, I think last, obviously when, when you look at just the last couple of years, um, not quite what, what or at least last year, not quite to their standard. But if you look at the years before that, I mean, we, we are talking about a team that had a stranglehold on this conference. Um, and I, I think they're, they'll, they'll get back to it and, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of like what everybody fears with Alabama football. It's like they may they may be down, but you always know that they could come back. And I think that this year Southeastern definitely uh, c- comes back. Uh, speaking of Southeastern, they were the team that won the title last year, the regular season uh, title. That is, uh, of course, things that uh, th- things would go that way for them in the tournament. Had a great 
year uh also uh or excuse me uh did, did great with uh making it to the sweet 16 as well as saint thomas however when you look at those two teams coming in south southeastern and saint thomas um there there is some coming back for the fire obviously they've lost riley Menix, uh but with saint thomas they brought in some key pieces but we'll kind of do, do how we did with uh, the men's, how we did with the women's, we'll start uh, projected bottom all the way up through through the top, and we'll go right back to where uh, we started off with the women's. Coastal Georgia, Manny, co- what does Coastal Georgia have to do if they're going to be competitive in the Sun Conference and make the tournament this year? Uh, this is another team that I really couldn't find too much on. I do think I kind of just have it as a development year. Like, they got to just build for the future. You know, they, their player to watch, Sally Wilson, he's a transfer from Linear Rain. Looks to add good versatility with size, and so I think that would be a plus. I do also think Nick Giles, who has experience at every level of basketball, you know, Juco and, and, and others, I think he can be a good leader for this group. I think it just comes down to how they blend in the new faces and if they can just flat out shock people. I think that their, their strength is the unknown. If you can kind of catch some teams out of the gate early, maybe you can build some momentum. And, you know, now you're talking about January and February. Okay. Things are looking a little bit better. You're playing with a little bit of, of swag to you. But other than that, I think it's going to be an, another year towards the end of the of the conference for the Mariners on the men's side as well. Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to be pretty difficult uh, uh, for them, obviously, um, you know, w- with getting Wilson, it, that's a player that had a lot of success at a good division two. So, We'll see uh, with them. But moving on, Ave Maria. Um, do, do want to congratulate Coach Copeland. He got his 200th win. Uh, and Ave Maria's uh, two wins came in with 198 wins. And he uh, matched that. So congratulations to him. Um, Cole Pepper, don't believe he he's back with, uh, with Ave Maria. He was obviously, when he was on the court last year for the Jaw Rings, and when he wasn't on the court, that was – the difference, Manny, it's going to be tough for them to to replace that. Um, do you see? Do you think they're that they're going to be that first team out of the conference tournament? I do. I I think you know in doing my research, I found out that Cole Pepper wasn't going to be there, and I actually played against him back when we were in high school, and he was at Stranahan, win those state championships, and I can tell you firsthand, we've seen it in the past few years in the conference, how much of a threat he is on the court on both sides of the ball, just a flat out dog. And re- replacing him, not just on the stat sheet, but doing things that you won't see, you know, playing that 94 feet kind of defense, playing on pressure, being able to run an offense. It's going to be hard to replicate that in a short time. Michael Klikas is the player to watch for them. He's their highest returning scorer. He was a freshman last year, so it's a big ask for sure in the second year to kind of be thrusted into that role of being a leader on, on and off the court. I'm very curious to see how he does it. I think he can do it very well. You know, first game not against Morris, only eight points, tough shooting night from both the field and the three-point line. Also did chip in eight rebounds, but then you have a 20-point performance against Voorhees, 9 of 15 shooting, also two or three from the free throw line, seven rebounds, three assists. This team is giving me the vibe of a team that they're going to try and do it as a collective. They're going to try and do it as a unit. No one, I don't, I'm not saying that no one can, even Michael in his own right, can go out and average 20 points or even 15 points. But I think if they want to have success, they're definitely going to have to have a situation where if you look at the box score, we've got four or five players in double-digit figures. We've got a just a team unit, and you didn't even realize it while watching it because it felt like everybody was just letting the ball do all the work, and it went and end up in, in a win. So I think if they can do it as a unit, maybe they can sneak into the conference. But right now I have them that first team out. 
So, man, who's going to be the first team in? Is it going to be Warner or is it going to be Florida Memorial? I've actually got Warner. I think Warner will be the first team in just because they have Logan West. And yeah. honestly, it, so- it sounds crazy, but if you watch Logan West play, he is he, he's he's one of the more fun players to watch in this in this conference. The Bobcats obviously played the Royals last year in the first round of the Sun Conference tournament, so I got to call that game. And what a game! What a it game was a great was. game. Came down to the to the wire and. I really saw my firsthand just why Logan is a three-time all-conference member. He's going to be a player of the year candidate for sure. He's just a very versatile big man. You know, he's got great size. He's very quick with his feet. He can handle a lot of pressure as well. I think if he – the biggest thing with him is going to be now you don't have Joseph Martz, who was a very, very good point guard for them last year, able to run the offense and get West the ball, especially on that low block. So how you add in that wrinkle, you know, if it's a new point guard, if it's someone you've been developing for the past few years, that's when I'm that's gonna be where my eye is for the most part. But I think Logan West can at least get you to the to the playoffs. And then at that point, it's a one game off and you can you've, we've seen it happen both ways. We've seen upsets happen one way, we've seen the the chalk hold still. So I think when we until we get there, Logan West will have a really, really good year. And like I said, 14 points in his in his season debut on only two of seven shooting. But again, because of his presence. They fouled him and got to the line nine for 11. That's going to be another thing. If he can get to the free throw line, the way that I'm expecting him to do to demand double teams at certain points in the season, I think he's going to have a very, very, very good year. Yeah. And, you know, they have some good experience coming back as well. I mean, Blaze Darling had, had 15 points against Florida National, a, a thrilling win for Warner in their in their first game. And Christian Nurse as well. I mean, Nurse is a really good def- defender. Uh, I think this is going to be a team where when if you if you when you go and play Warner, br- bring your boxing gloves. I think this is going that they are going to fight you, not actually fight you, of course, but they're uh, they're going to be a really physical team. Uh, they're going to be tough tough to score on. I think that's going to kind of be their uh, identity this year. Uh, moving on though, Florida Memorial, obviously one of the bigger pickups uh, as far as transfer wise, belong to Florida Memorial um, and Chance Caruso. F- a uh, really good, good player from uh, William Penn and Iowa. Far Memorial, though, uh, what are you kind of expecting out of them this year? I think they're going to be the fifth seed. That's where I have them personally. Like you mentioned, Chase, a former NAI All-American, new transfers and a new coaching staff. This is giving me the vibes, and I'm not saying that they're going to do this because I don't think they will, but it's giving me that vibes of that team a few years ago that people were kind of sleeping on, didn't really know, you know, they were going to be a good playoff team and then they end up winning the whole the whole thing. I think they're going to have that type of vibe of we don't really know how it's all going to mesh. On paper, it looks great. You got a lot of talent, you got a lot of athleticism. You know, we're seeing all, all these things, you know, in their, their home opener. They had a very good showing. But how will it mesh when you start playing against talent in the conference? They're, again, on paper, it looks like it can be a very good thing. I do think that they're going to have some hiccups in terms of, getting the the pieces to fit together and get that puzzle piece together. But nevertheless, they can definitely get into the conference. And I think they'll be in that fifth seed. And could they be on upset watch? I could, I would definitely be one of those guys to say that, but until then right now, just in the fifth seed. You know, credit to Farrah Morrill's athletic director, um, Horn, Horn. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's done a really good job. I, I think an underrated thing in this conference is he's done a really good job of going out and making the right hires. Um, we saw it with, with their – we've seen it with both their soccer teams this year, the improvements they've made. And now he's gone out and hired an NAI champion, an NAI coach of the year in Delaney Thomas. 
he's just he's already brought in a really good recruit that we know of. Who really knows who else he, they, that he's brought in? Um, it could be very, very interesting uh, uh, to, to see that. Um, he had a lot of success uh, in the Mid-South Conference, I, I believe. I read that in, in, in the article. Um, uh, but, I mean, we're, talk, we're talking about NAI champion, NAI coach of the year, someone certainly able. Um, and uh, what the athletic director Horn has done there is, you know, he's made Far Memorial uh, very – um, competitive, obviously, in soccer, but look what's happened in the two years of Bobby Rome in the football football program there. I mean, they uh, went against Thomas and then, you know, set themselves up with a potential to, you know, pl- play Kaiser for a conference championship, uh, which which we've already talked a good bit about this episode. But, um, you know, I mean, watch out for Florida Memorial. That could be a team where if you want to invest stock in, you know, I like using that term. Um, the only problem is, and as far as recruiting for them, uh, about 15 minutes away, you got a team that could w- win a national championship this year. We're obviously going to talk a little bit more about about them in a minute. But uh, when, when we're looking at teams, uh, you know, looking to build off of what they did last year, look no further than Weber had one of the best years they've had in the last decade in, in Babson Park, and they return a lot, especially the guard position. It's honestly like I'm looking at a mirror from my notes. It's pretty much the same thing I said for the women's. You bring in continuity, you keep chemistry, and you just kind of fill in on the edges, and you basically just run it back. Like sometimes the best thing to do is to pretty much do nothing. Like I said, maybe you do some things on on the edges to really on the margins to help yourself. But for the most part, like you said, we're bringing back so many guys after having a great season like they did. Obviously, Kayshawn Strokes, the player to watch, All-American, honorable mention, leading scorer at 20 points per game against FNU in their season debut, 22 on 8 of 21 shooting, 38%. I think he's definitely going to improve. I think he can definitely hover around that 40% mark for the season. One of seven from three, I think that's going to improve as well. 11 rebounds and four steals. I think he's going to be the spearhead for sure. Another player that I think could have a player of the year campaign if the Warriors win games and he puts up the numbers that he's capable of putting up. A few other names, Tyrone Nesby, the fourth. Didn't play yep. much last season, but when he did, great source of offense. I think electric. People, Nesby was are going, people are going to focus a lot on Stokes. You know, I like to call the type of players first scout players. They're going to be on that first page of the scouting report. They're going to have you down to a T. And I think players like Nesby can kind of build off that against FNU 19 points, six of 18 shooting, you know, maybe he's not going to have a lot of shot attempts or touches, but when he gets them, he makes them count. The other one I want to mention the D one transfer, Aiden Holtz averaging average 13 points per game in his previous school. And I think he's going to help the Warriors because they're going to play a lot faster. I think the Warriors, they love to go up and down. They love to really just push the pace against FNU. He led the team with 26 points on 10 of 19 shooting and two of five from the three point line chip in three rebounds and eight assists, that's going to really help, I think, Strokes and, and the other players on the team to just play a lot faster. And when you play faster, you get more possessions. You play great defense. You get more possessions. And at the end of the day, I think the Warriors are going to be one of the more high-scoring teams in the conference because of what yeah. they have and what they already had. Yeah, the nail on the head there. And here, here's the main point for me. I, I look at Holt. He's going to be our point guard this year. And that allows Kashawn Stokes, who was a great point guard last year, He's going to be an even better shooting guard. He's going to be, I think, the best number two in this conference. I th- and I think what's allowing him to do that is obviously hold. I, I'll, I'll say this: I think Weber may have the best guard duo in, in the Sun Conference th- this year. Be- between Holt and Stokes, it's going to be a lot 
uh, of fun. The big question that though is, are they going to have the, the big men to deal with guys like Joshua Thrower, uh, who we talk a little bit, a bit uh, more about? But when I look look at that, obviously, I mean, honestly, one, two, three. I mean, Nesby's one, Holtz two, and Stokes is Stokes is uh, three. Uh, Jersey number one. That's going to be you know your your, your front three. What's what's going to happen with with Weber? But um, no, I, I think if you just like high scoring basketball, I think it's that's definitely going to be uh, one of the better teams to watch this year. Personally, I have, and this might this might be a little crazy on my part. I have Weber second um, in in the regular season. I, I think you're going to see this team continue to build under Coach Rutledge, who I'm obviously a huge fan of, and yeah, I think Weber is going to have an incredible year. But Moving on, we'll head down to West Palm Beach, where the Kaiser Seahawks are projected to finish third. And they had two first-place votes, which is the most besides St. Thomas. Uh, Kaiser, uh, they obviously have a big man that they have to replace. But, uh, you know, another team I think is going to have a big year. I think so, too. I, I got them finishing fourth. I think, you know, Justin Nicholson, the player to watch for them, transfer out of Lee's McRae. Had 11 points per game at the Division II last season, shooting a very good 54% from the field and 87% from the free throw line. I think – I really believe, and I'll get back to the Seahawks in a minute, but the entire conference, a big thing I want to really highlight, I think the free throws are going to be something that kind of separates these teams because I see a lot of aggressive defense around the conference for sure. I see a lot of high-paced and teams going to get tired. So who can capitalize on those freebies at the line – at the end of the season when, you know, we're talking about three games in one week, we're talking about back-to-backs, you know, traveling, all that stuff. So I think the free throw is going to be something that really separates some of these teams, especially at the top of the conference. You know, I think Nicholson in his debut had a great 16 points on 6-13 shooting, 11 rebounds, you know, and had nine turnovers. But I think that's just a part of the building there now with the Seahawks and, and a part of that program. Another name I think is going to be not maybe not under the radar, but another name I really want to highlight, Brandon Farmer. He was the highest scoring returner, 12 points per game. He also had 16 against University of Fort Lauderdale on a 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 6 from the three-point line, chipped in five rebounds. Seahawks, similar to the women's side, they're a just consistent force in this conference. They're going to really be in that middle of the pack, and that's why I have them four because I could see them going up and maybe inching three, two. Could we talk about one? I don't know about that, but definitely that two, three. Or the teams behind them, they just – catapult maybe florida memorial has a really good season and now they've jumped up to that four now the seahawks are in danger falling out of the out of the tournament with those teams at the bottom so i think they're just going to have a consistent year they're going to have another great system and will it come down to the talent i think that's where my where i'm kind of at because those teams at the top that i have at the top i think the talent is really it, it's noticeable it's noticeable for sure yeah, and you know, kind of similar to their women's team as well. I mean, they're losing their two best players. Uh, you know, Kevon Lott and Justin Tucker. Tucker's moved on to play in, uh, in the professional uh, level, but both of them uh, gone is tough for them. And I think it, when you look at who's going to step up, that's the, your your big question to kind of answer answer your question. I mean, with you know, where are they going to finish? Are they going to be that you know two, three, five for one? Or are they going to be four or five? Possibly uh, having to scramble uh, around for for a six seed. I see them more as a solid three, four, um, maybe maybe even two. Like like you said, do I think they compete for the conference? That'd be a little bit surprising. Obviously, had a really good start uh, to to their season, uh, a, a big big win for them, a blowout win. Uh, for them to to start off their their season against Fort Lauderdale against and it was a guy they not really talked about about a lot in kind of their new phase with Justin 
uh, Nicholson, Nicholson that, that led the way, but you know, like you said, um, Servi Lewis, Vincent um, Miskoweski, uh, two Division One uh, tr- transfers, and um, you know, obviously, what, what you're doing with the uh, developmental uh, po- podcast, you 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 get to see a couple of guys get the call up uh, on on the Seahawks side. But moving on, uh, kind of the top two dogs in, in the conference, and without a doubt, the biggest the biggest question. If you don't think it's the biggest question, I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's what happens in year two of Coach Lee and year one without Riley Minix. Now, they still have a lot coming back. And obviously, when we had Riley on, um, we talked uh, with, with him, we talked with Sean. Um, it was, you know, evident that it was not just Riley. And Riley w- would go, went into great detail. But Manny, how on a scale of one to 10, how imp- how big do you think that that loss is, and do you think we'll be sitting here in a couple months' time and just being like, Riley Minix was obviously one of the best players to come through the Sun Conference. We don't, I mean, duh. But do you think we'll be saying something to the tune of Coach Lee is doing an incredible job, uh, and it turns out his system is really effective, and they'll be right back w- competing for a Sun Conference title. This is similar to the. Florida Memorial loss of Iolo in the sense of, and I think of course is a more of a loss because on that scale of one to 10, we're pushing 10 and, and I think we're, we might even break the scale. And it's not because the rest of the team of the fire are, are not at a high level or don't have the talent. They absolutely do. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is with a player like that, even if he doesn't have a high scoring game, a double double or whatever, just him on the court affects the entire game. Yeah, you have to find him. You have to know where he is. You have to put two bodies on him at times. Even if he's not hot, you have to keep make sure he doesn't get hot. So the gravity that I think is going to be a lot different when you play against the fire is the most noticeable thing. I'm very curious to see how the system adjusts. If it adjusts, maybe that Minix and the system just made a great fit and it just all worked. Losing a player like that is going to be very tough. I do think they will finish second in the conference. I think what's going to happen is a situation where some teams maybe think Minix is gone. We don't got to worry too much. Let's just go out and handle business. And the fire are going to punch you in the mouth. They are going yeah. to come out and they're going to, sh- they they have a chip on their shoulder of saying, we are not just Minix. We are a great system. We've built a culture here. We're going to go out and prove that. I think this first year is going to be very, very good in the post Riley Minix era. Reggie Mesador, the player to watch, first team on conference selection in his own right. 13 points per game on 42 shooting and 35 from three. Just going to be, I think I see that those points per game kind of going up. I think he's going to keep the efficiency for the most part. Maybe it'll dip a little bit with more shot attempts, but I could see him definitely crossing that 15 points per game and maybe even inching closer to that 20. A player that I think is going to have a really good second year, though, Joshua Blazekis, freshman of the year last year. And I think he's going to build off those point guard responsibilities that he had last year. You know, he led the team in total assists with 104, averaging about 10 per game. Averaging 10 assists at the collegiate level is very, very hard to do. And one could say, oh, well, he had Riley to give him the ball. That doesn't matter. You still got to get him the ball. You still got to make the right plays. And now I think he can really show off how much of a playmaker he can be. You also add in a lot of transfers that are going to add in a lot of shooting. I think that we're going to see a little bit of a different style in the sense of obviously last year you played through minutes, you played through the post a little bit more, you played a little bit more of a slow-ish kind of game compared to maybe a normal basketball system nowadays. But now you add in a lot of shooting. I think you go get a lot more faster. And it's a different type of team, but I think it's going to be a dangerous team second in the conference for sure. 
I think an underrated uh, move that happened this year with Anthony Duncan. That was a guy that I liked watching. Uh, obviously, Coach Georgia didn't have the best year last year, but that was a really fun uh, individual to, to watch on, on the Mariners. And now he's traveled down to Lakeland, and he could be that guy. It's like, okay, we don't need you to be Riley Minnix, obviously, but you could see him uh, stepping in that forward role. Um, another guy, that, though, on, on their on, on their roster that I think could step up, and from, you know, just from a pure like last year, what what we saw to kind of, you know, c- come back and take a step up as a uh, six, seven junior named Nathan uh, Mickelson. Uh, I, th- I thought Nathan was a really solid player for them. And it'd be interesting. Uh, what does he like? What's that development look like? Because I, I I got a feeling he was maybe one of those guys for the last couple of years, uh, you know, playing uh, with Riley and learning from it. You know, what what does he learn? And um what's what's he gonna look like in that system but yeah i have them i have them i have them at at, at two and then i saw weber play and i now have them at three and i'll probably see how they explain like oh they'll be right there but uh i have them as that third spot we all know who you're picking uh to, to win the conference uh you know who, who i'm picking it's a team that i think has a phenomenal shot to go further than any sun conference basketball team has ever gone and that team is undoubtedly the St. Thomas Bobcats. Manny, take it away. So similar to, I think, the women's side in the sense of both Coach Walker and Coach Crary in their time here. You know, Coach Walker, obviously, going to be year seven. Coach Crary in year number three. They have built a foundation of teams that have the same goal in mind. They obviously bringing a lot of talent. They're going to be leaning on their returners. But I think we're looking at a team on the men's side. You look at paper. I've seen their practices. We're talking about just hoopers. We're talking about guys that want to win. They want to do the right things to win. They're doing all the things that they need to win. And I think it starts, and I'm not going to say it ends, but I am going to say it starts with Milton Matthews. I think because the Bobcats, I have them winning the conference because I think he's going to average close to 20 points per game, if not more. I think he's the front runner right now for me for player of the year. You look against Washington Adventist, 19 points, four rebounds, six of 14 shooting, three of nine from the three-point line. And then even against George Mason, the only player to have 20 points against them in a 21-point performance, great from the three-point line. Milton's ability, similar to Minnick's, but in the difference in the sense of you got to worry about Matthews from the three-point line. You got to worry about him in transition. If you do not find him, we have a bunch of guards. We have a bunch of players who understand on a scramble, on a loose ball, on a rebound, find five the ball because he will put it in the back of the net every single time. So I think he's going to have a very, very good season. The player to watch, Sarius Warren, we like to call him King around here, his note, and I'm comparing him in the sense, and I can. This, the only reason I'm using this name is because it's the name I can really think about. I'm looking at a DeAndre Jordan type in the sense of a freak athlete at a good size who is going to be a rim presence on the defensive side. If you do go, if you go in there with some weak stuff, I promise you, it's getting sent to the top of the FFC. I don't care because he will meet you at the square every single time, and he's very good at being disciplined with it. He's not going recklessly into these blocks and getting foul calls. No, he is going 
great timing. Like I said, great athleticism. He can afford to be late on his jump because he has such a quick bounce to get to that ball in time. Or even if he doesn't get blocks, he's still going to affect your shot. Another situation where you have to know where he is on the court if you're a point guard, if you're trying to get into that lane to make plays for other. I mean, he's coming off from a school where he averaged 10 points, 10 rebounds, and three blocks. Like, those are a – if he can have even half of that kind of stat line for the Bobcats, I think it's going to be a very, very good chance that he not only is a great force for them, but even a defensive player of the year type of player. We mentioned Josh Taylor. I mean, we mentioned Joshua Thrower. I mentioned Josh Taylor in a minute. He's another one that I think he's going to benefit a lot playing a lot more on the perimeter now, being able to stretch out, show his game, show his muscle a little bit. I think Thrower is going to have an underrated type of season. A few new faces, Josh Taylor and uh, Anthony Harris, players that made the NAIA reports for player of the year watch. And I know Anthony's going to have, you know, kind of big shoes to fill. You coming after Fred Mobile, who, I mean, Pete, Agent Zero was a dog. He was that was that that that's my big question coming into this year. I mean, obviously you get a guy that that played at North Carolina. I mean, kind kind of enough said. You, and then you look at um, uh, J- Joshua Taylor as well, who uh, uh, you talked a little bit about. We'll talk about more him in a minute. But all these big recruits and everything, it was like, all right, who's going to replace Agent Zero, Mister Bobcat himself? And I don't think Anthony Harris. When like we said, got got from North Carolina. I mean, I don't, I don't care who you are. You're not a scrape. If you've ever worn the powder blue and white on a basketball court in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, you're a great basketball player. And Anthony Harris now transferring down to St. Thomas. So is he that that dude? Let me let me say this. Obviously, he's he's the pick to be the point guard there and and take it over. Does he have to be Fred Moba? With everything else that's now around, and Milton Matthews, who's a little bit better, and you've talked about thrower who's going to be a little bit different you talk um a, a, about a warren who stepped up everything seems like it's better than last year you have now year three of a system with coach Crary. does he even have to be fred moba or does he just need to be a, a solid point guard folks this is why this man is in charge of suncast because that's a great question that's a great question that i honestly wasn't even thinking about until you brought it up and i would say no he doesn't have to be fred mobile because like you said you have a lot of weapons around you now in a different type of style fred mobile watching him firsthand the biggest thing with him was the transition game was going to be there every time because he off of a rebound because of his size, because of where he would play in in the system, he's able to get that rebound and push, and the guys would run with him. Obviously, we had a lot of weapons last year as well, but this year I feel like there's a lot more. So do I think Harris can even play similar role or similar style that Moba did? I think he has a good chance of doing it, but he's not asked to do that. He's not going to have the pressure of doing that. He doesn't have to come in thinking I have to be like agent zero or better. He just has to play like Anthony Harris and they will be in game. They will be the favorites in a lot of these games. And like we said, they are going to be the favorites to win this conference because of the system that coach Curry has brought in the players. He's added the shooting he's added, because I think people are going to realize just how much of a threat. And you kind of have to add shooting because everybody knows who Milton Matthews is and they're going to put, and they're going to num- number one thing for them is going to be don't let him get hot. So how do you allow him to get hot? You got to put more shooters around him. So now they can't double team him. They can't overplay. They can't crowd the space and make him have to shoot deep balls every single time that he, he comes down the court. I think Anthony Harris is going to have a very good year. Does not have to be like Fred Mobile. He just has to play like Anthony Harris, the way I've seen them play and practice, the way I've seen him orchestrate the offense. And they will be very, very good. And honestly, they will be better for that because you don't need – he is not Fred Mobile, and he doesn't have to be Fred Mobile. 
And I think uh, I'm going to end on this with St. Thomas. I think what's going to separate them from everybody are, are the bigs. And you, you, we've already talked about a thrower. Um, and you, you talk about uh, new faces uh, that they brought in, uh, uh, multiple 6'10", 6'11", even a seven-footer from Kuwait, Croatia uh, for the Bobcats. They have unbelievable athleticism, unbelievable height. Look, I'm putting in, you know, I'm going to, we're, we're going to cover the – of course, we're going to co- cover the, the sport fair, but sometimes you have – I, I want to word this. Last year it was tough for me to watch Kaiser football go all the way, but I knew it was what's best for this conference. I feel like when I look at St. Thomas, my goal for them, Manny, I want them to just stay healthy. I want them to stay healthy. I want them because I I'm looking at what they were last year and I look at what they brought in. And from what you told me, what other people down there have told me. When you're looking at what makes a conference great. Is what you do in all sports. Sure. It's important. But what you do in football and basketball are the two most important things you do in a conference. And I don't, I, I know some people are not going to like hearing that. It's the truth. What you do in basketball and what you do in football are the two most important things for a conference. We've arrived in football, obviously with what Kaiser's done. We started to do it last year with basketball and folks, we've done it with every other sport. We've done it. It's been done. The conference has won red banners and pretty much everything else. Major, major. Wise, you, look, you look at soccer. You look at obviously we need we need to do something in volleyball. St. Thomas has something to say about that, obviously. But I look at St. Thomas and I'm like, this is a legitimate shot to go and win, win a red banner. We, we we were so close to doing it in years past with Southeastern women's basketball, and I do think there is still an excellent shot. You have Southeastern, maybe Kaiser. Who? How good is this guard duo going to be for Weber? Who's to say we couldn't do back-to-back years of sending teams to Kansas City? And with St. Thomas there, I like them again. Now, obviously, that they're liable to run into a College of Idaho, liable to run into um, – oh, gosh. I mean, uh, 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 other top-tier teams, sure. But I want, I want a red banner in basketball this year, and I think St. Thomas uh, has got, got what it takes to do it, period. I think – the best test for them in this non-conference slate. I mean, we're talking about a team that right now is ranked number 11 in the nation, right on the edge of that top 10. They have Faulkner this Thursday, who is receiving votes. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure they are the team that knocked this out of the round of 16 last year. I could no, be wrong. No, because uh, Southeastern beat Faulkner last year Southeastern beef. I knew Faulkner played either us or Southeastern but that's my point I feel like these next two games when you play against Faulkner who's receiving votes and Mobile who's right now number 22 I think that it's gonna be a great test for them I think they had a good test just this past week against Washington Edmonton you know they also had that extra fire to it because it was Coach Crary's old school and you know coming back home in the festivities of that so I think that they answered the bell there even the George Mason game they played very good and they could play better. Like, I really think they didn't play their best basketball at all. And they were pretty much in it for the most part down until down the stretch when the game kind of opened up a little bit. But I, I agree with you. I think the Bobcats, especially the men's side and even the women's side for to, to an extent, this just feels like a year that it could really go our way. And 
it's felt like that the past few years. I got to credit Coach Crary for the transferring ability he's brought in. I mean, obviously, people say all the time the transfer portal and all that stuff, recruiting and everything. It's a big part of the game. It's just the way it is. Some sports more than others. And he has turned St. Thomas men's basketball into a powerhouse, so to speak, that's up and coming in the, in the sense of that word. So I'm excited. I know everybody around campus is excited. I know even people in the conference are excited because they want to see what does this look like on the out on the court. And even the other teams, they hear it. There's a, no, I, yeah, there's a point know, I was just about to get to. I was just they have a whole, they have a target on their back. That target is yeah. nice and big, and they and to their credit, they're welcoming it. And the conference is gonna be like, look, if you're gonna be the ones to represent us, we're gonna make sure that you did it because you beat us, and not because we did not give you a test or anything like that. And hey, I, let's get to let's say St. Thomas d- kills it and d- does great. Get to the conference tournament, single elimination, single elimination. Any given day. And I mean, you know, let this be bulletin board material. Um, When I'm looking at percentages, I'd probably say 80% chance St. Thomas wins the regular season, 20% for the field. And I feel like I'm being a little generous to the field right there. And everybody else listening that's not in uh, Navy and and Garnet and Miami Gardens, because I can't just say Miami Gardens, bulletin board material right here. and I'm, I don't think there's a coach in the country that wants to have a target on his back more than Coach Curry. I know he li- lives for that. I think it's made for fun. And hey, um, if they if there is a team that upsets St. Thomas in the regular season or in the tournament, we're talking about one of the bigger upsets that we've seen. So a lot of fun uh, to get into uh, th- throughout the year. Obviously, we're really excited to continue to cover it um, again. Apologies for no episode last week. Already talked about that beginning beginning of that episode. Y'all have a great uh, rest of your Tuesday into Wednesday if you're listening on Wednesday morning. And we will catch you Friday for a little weekend preview.